thank you guys for doing the announcements today. That was good, wasn't it? Now time to rein it in a little bit. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I think I started this last week, and I said Ephesians chapter 1, and I never really got there. So uh, a week later, I am here, <laughs> and we will see if it happens today. Good to see all of you here today. I know that there have been some who have been sick and have been out for due to sickness, but we're glad that you're back. And those who have been traveling... We're also glad to see you. And then there are those who are traveling, and we pray that they are safe and have a great time. I know this is a season where we go out and visit family, and, and so if you are going to be traveling over the next few weeks, uh, I hope you enjoy your time with your family. Be safe. And, um, you know, God is just a miracle-working God, isn't he? We have uh, we were sitting in the Buy Tree Change of Life tent yesterday, and, and uh, I think Tina Talent said, Pastor, we need to... Put together some videos of the miracles that are taking place because God is just doing some great miracles and and uh, I will say praise God yes the Lord is doing some miraculous things and uh, let's just keep believing let's keep uh, praying for God's hand because there are still those who are needing a miracle and we know that God is a miracle worker and we want to keep believing for them amen if you if you're with me in Ephesians chapter one verse one it says. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are at, in Ephesus and, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Can you say this with me? Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. Father, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit will lead and direct each one of us. Let your Holy Spirit touch our hearts. May we be prepared to receive what you have laid before us today, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you've prepared a table and, Lord, we are thankful, God, for the gifts that you give. We thank you that you are the greatest gift. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been talking over the past few weeks about the greatest gift. Last week we had a little detour, and I, uh, I, I, I talked about gift. I mean, the Father's gift to the Son. And uh, aren't, you, aren't we glad that we have a loving Father who loves us and cares for us? Amen who though we have strayed, you know, the Bible says all you like sheep have gone astray, each into his own way. We've all strayed. We've all made mistakes. We've all made decisions that have taken us away from the Lord at times. But I'm so thankful that we have a loving, gracious, heavenly Father who has open arms to receive us back to himself. Amen? And, and, and doesn't receive us with an ambition of uh, keeping us at a low level, if you will, but brings us back to the table. Come on puts a robe on us to cover our shame, cares for us enough to give us back the authority that we lost in leaving, we have gained back. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you do. Thank you that in Christ Jesus we have this. Amen? Amen. You know, when I, when I look at the scripture, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be God the Father. When I, when I think of this, I mean, Jesus consistently declared that God was his Father, right? He gave us a great example that while we walk on this earth, we can depend on something greater than ourselves. Come on. That we can surrender and know that he will lead us and direct us into the path that we need to be in. Praise God, right? I mean, Jesus, I mean, when you just see this over and over again, even prophecy declared, asserted the, the prophecy of the Messiah. For unto us a child is born, right? And a son is given. Right? Too many times we're focused on the child, and I'm not uh, demeaning the fact that Jesus came and was born uh, on this earth and was residing in a manger at the beginning. He had no place to lay his head, so to speak, right? But yet he came as the son of the living God. He came majestically before he ever breached the, the clouds. He was a king of glory, right? Before he ever came and stepped foot on this earth, he was the son of the living God who loves us, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is the son from the very foundations of the world was slain for every single one of us. He was a son given. Amen. Psalms chapter 2 verse 7 says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Come on, right? If you look at Psalms chapter 2, it's a declaration of the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, right? Because, you know, we, we, we sometimes wonder where the word Messiah came from, but it was a transliteration from the Hebrew of the anointed one. The anointed one was the one who was anointed king, and Jesus Christ was the anointed one, the one who has come as the Messiah, the one who has come to reign over his kingdom. Amen. Amen. God promised David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, it says, when, you, when, you, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set, you, uh, set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Somebody say forever. Forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Powerful, right? Declaration. Proph prophetic words being fulfilled. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Y'all need to hear that again? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, what a powerful word, right? That Jesus Christ has come to bring salvation, to bring hope, to bring life. Too many times I think that in our religious state we get to the point of, Lord, just cut them all down. Lord, just wipe them all out. Right? Lord, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know if that was correct to say. But anyway. But too many times we get in that mindset. That why, Lord, are you allowing all these things? But let me tell you something. He did not come to the world to condemn the world. But the world through him might be saved. He came. Just imagine if you were in your most broken state. 
and somebody was praying, Lord, just take them out, how would you feel? But thanks be to God that somebody loved you enough to pray for you, to care for you, to give a word to you, get to encourage you with truth that shows you a way that was better than the way you were living, that gave you a hope for eternity that is not based on anything of this world. It's out of this world. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The book of John goes through many of the assertions that Jesus that Jesus is the Son of the living God. John 15:1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, right? Praise God, right? I mean, I think there should be like this, this powerful, the God and Father of our, comma, Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. There should be a, a punctuation that just declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. I mean, when you think about Jesus being the vine and the father of the vine dresser, to, you, you've heard me preach that, a message on that just recently, but to, to think that, that as we are branches of the true vine, to know that when we are in Christ Jesus, that the Father cares enough that he wants to take care of the vine. He wants to take care of those who are in his son, right? And so therefore we find ourselves in Christ Jesus, blessed who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, another thing that we see here, it didn't say that he has blessed us with every physical want that we have. Right? Doggone it. Right? Every spiritual blessing. There's, a, there's been, a, a, to me, an evil heresy that has been popular, popularized uh, uh, many times even by evangelicals on TV and so often uh, promoting a doctrine that is not biblical doctrine that has pushed the idea that if you don't have the biggest house or you don't have the nicest car or if you don't have this or that, then, then you're not living to the potential that God's created in you. Come on. And, and yet I don't believe that doctrine was relevant to the disciples in his day. Because it was to them, he said, take up your cross and follow me. It was to them who said that, who, who have left houses, who have left children, who have left family, all these things, and followed him. It was, it was Jesus who basically said, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit, right? So I think that we have gotten to our minds that, that we have to, have all these things before our life is blessed. All these different things. But it's also in that same chapter of Luke chapter 6 when it says where it says, Blessed are you, or blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. It is in that same chapter, verse 24, it says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. You've already received your reward. That's what he says. Wow. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. I know, I know how to be abased. I know how to, to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. That must not be popular preaching. I don't have a good amens up in here now. <laughs> Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. He says, The sleep of the laboring man is sweet, 
whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can, we can carry nothing out. Verse 8, And having food and clothing with, this, with these, we, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 17 of that same chapter says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen? I mean, look, we live and we understand over just in a matter of a few years how wealth can be lost and how it can be gained. We have seen uh, over our lifetimes economies go up and go down and, and how retirement plans can go up and can go down, right? And so we understand that we cannot be haughty in the things that we have, but we must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. He's the only sustaining thing that we have that we know is consistent. For he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that we can hold on to him because he holds our future. Amen? Amen. That's all right. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Too often I, I, I struggle because we live in a materialistic world. I think Madonna said that, right? Sorry, I hit about some of that generation right there. You guys are too young, sorry. <clears throat> I mean, if a person is more interested in the material blessings of this world, the Bible calls them carnally minded, right? If we're more interested in what we can gain and how we can, how we can acquire and how we can hoard, if you will, then we have lost the spiritual touch of focus on the King of kings and Lord of lords and we've become fleshly minded, which is hostility, the Bible says, to the Lord. The, blessing, the blessings of the child of God are in heavenly places. Praise God. In chapter 1 uh, of this chapter, Paul speaks of the greatness of his power in verse 19, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him, uh, at, at, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And guess what? We have been seated together with Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The one who has descended has also ascended. The Bible says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto mankind. Every single one of us have been given gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been given gifts by God. Eternal life is the greatest gift that we could ever have. Amen. Verse, or chapter 2, verse 6 of the same book, as he speaks of the grace of God by which we are saved, he speaks how that he has raised us together, made us seated together with him in heavenly places. But these blessings only come to us in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Not in our IRA. Not in the job that we have. Not in just coming to church. But walking in Christ Jesus. I mean, Christ in Christ Jesus is the dominant theme of this whole book of Ephesians. 
I mean, when you think about it, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, Azariah, the king, was told this. He says, by the Lord, he says, I will be with you if you are with me. I will be with you if you are with me. And too many times I think that we want God to be with us, but we don't want to be with him. We want God to to give us everything we want and be there when we want him to be there. We want him to be the lucky charm, if you will. We want him to be the rabbit's foot so that, Lord, you know I need you. I'm going to rub the genie in the bottle right now, God, just to just show up and perform your work for me. But when God says, this is how I expect you to live if you're walking in me, that's something that we don't like to hear. We don't like to be confined to a way of life. We don't want to be confined to things that we are required to do. Yet, yet if we love him, come on, hear, hear this. If we love him, his word says, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, right? I mean, look, I love my children. And I love my children even when they don't always do it right. But there's an expectation in my house that if there is a rule of the house, then there's an expectation that you live by the rule of the house. Does it mean that I don't love you when you go against the rule? No. But it does mean there's consequences for the decisions that you make. Amen? And so the Lord told Ezra, he says, I will be with you as long as you are with me. Right? Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Apart from the Lord Jesus, we might accomplish things in this world, but can you imagine what we can do in in the presence and a part of the kingdom process as branches of the true vine? We are anointed and appointed and and called by him and chosen by him. Come on. Hallelujah. But not only can we do nothing, but in reality we have nothing apart from him. For every good gift, think of this, every good gift comes from the Father of lights. So apart from him, we might have, but the things that we have seem to dissipate. Like the, like the beautiful green grass in the sun goes away. Every blessing, every blessing that God bestows on us comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's... And he that has life, he who has the Son has life, right? Isn't that what the Word says? John 10, 10, for I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. We have life in Christ Jesus and more than, more than life, but abundant life. Too often, uh, when I, as speaking in this specific top, topic of spiritual blessings versus physical blessings, I think that too often we, we gauge our a relationship with Christ Jesus based on the situation and the, uh, the things that we have or the responses from the doctor or all these other things or how our children's living or how this is happening. And we're too often swayed by, by those experiences around us that cause us to, to fluctuate in our, in our relationship to God. And yet, if we are in Christ Jesus... We are founded and grounded and established in him that no matter what these things happen, it doesn't mean that we, doesn't, that, that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't, we're not concerned. It doesn't mean that sometimes we aren't 
visually seeing the things around us, but it's, there's, a, there's a situation of life that says that we are founded in Him and nothing shall move us. We might be shaken, but we will know that we are standing firm in Him and knowing that no matter what happens, God has us. Hearing someone's testimony just this other just the other day in this sanctuary talk, talking about the diagnosis that they received. And yet, yeah, they said, you know what? My trust is in the Lord. My faith is in the Lord. And only He knows the day and the hour where He wants to take me home. If it means it is this month, next month, five years, ten years down the road, no matter when that is. My hope is in the Lord, and I trust Him. And I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to doubt. I know that God has me in His hand. Man, if we could have that understanding, if we could grab a hold of that mentality to, to recognize that, that, look, things get tight. How I many understand that? We wonder at times. I, I know over and over uh, in our life of, of our 27 years of marriage, there's been times I wonder, Lord, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how, how are you going to make this happen. But Lord, you, you promised that you'll supply my needs according to your riches and glory. And Lord, whatever that looks like, however that seems to take place, I trust you. And I know that God has always provided. He's always given us what we need. It may not be always what we want. It may not come in the plush things that we think we should have. But God will always take care of his own. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Right? So the, and the idea is that if you say, man, I just need more love. Well, reality is what you need is you need more Jesus. You say, well, I just need peace. Well, what you really need is you need Jesus. You need hope. Well, guess what? You need Jesus. I need patience. Well, guess what? You need Jesus. Because he is... Everything we have need of. We live in a world who's going astray. And we wonder why it's getting more chaotic. We wonder why it's getting more, more and more unrest. No hope. Hopeless feeling. No peace of heart. But I'm here to tell you that when you have Jesus and you have completely surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, there comes a peace that passes all understanding. There comes a hope. That gives you a sense of future for Jesus, for the Lord Jesus, or the Word of God tells us in Jeremiah says, "For I know you," and He says, "I have I, I've given you a future and a hope." Think about that. The Lord knows what He thinks about you. The Lord is thinking about you. That just blows my mind. The One who created the heavens and the earth has you in His mind. He's thinking specifically about you, and though. It feels like the world wants to make you think that he hates you. He loves you. The world wants everything to do about what we are here for right now to be about they hate us. They hate us. That's what, they, that's what the world wants you to think. That bunch of Christians, they're just haters. But the reality is, is that we have more love and more care and more compassion what we hate is we hate to see people broken. We, we hate to see people confused. 
We hate to see people bound up in relationships that have them so broken. We hate, them, we hate seeing them so addicted to things that have driven their lives into the ground. And we hate seeing families destroyed by the world. That's what we hate. We don't hate people. We recognize that we're not, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against people. We're wrestling against spiritual, uh, spiritual authorities in this air that we need to fight against because if we will stand together as the body of Christ, we will see a transformation of our community. We'll see the love of God coming forth. We'll see the presence of God coming forth. That's why I enjoy manna so much, to see multiple churches coming together, coming to serve. And they work together and they're feeding up to 200, sometimes 220 families a week. And showing that love to people. We're not asking, what's your lifestyle? We're not asking what church you go to. We want to know how we can help you. We want to know, is there something that we can do to love you today? How can we touch your life? That's who we are, isn't it? Amen. Begins... In verse 4, Paul begins to list the spiritual blessings. If you were to list your blessings in order, how would you list your blessings? How would you begin to talk about your top priorities and the things that God has done for you? You might would talk about how, thank you Lord for salvation, right? Thank God for salvation. Me, I thank God for salvation. I thank God for this precious jewel right here. Because she has put up with me for 27 years. She might even be rewarded sainthood. I'm thankful for an amazing wife who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who's willing to be submissive to the plan of God in both of our lives. I'm thankful for wonderful children. I'm thankful for great kids. I'm thankful for an awesome church to be a part of. You guys are amazing. Those are things that I would say I'm thankful for. And, and, and so when you think of that, what would you consider to be the greatest blessing that God has bestowed on you? What is the greatest blessing? I'm going to count to three and I want you to shout out the greatest blessing, all right? If, it, if it's not your spouse, you better, you better be quiet. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Amen. Her salvation, Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The greatest blessing we have. The greatest love that we have. Jesus Christ. There's so many blessings that we have. Paul puts... On his top of his list, according to this scripture, that he has chosen us in him. Think about that. You have been chosen. I mean, that blows my mind. Not that we chose him, but he chose us. Choice is a wonderful gift that we've been given. I don't know that we think about that too much. I mean, this part of God being created in the image, this being created in the image of God, God is, 
is self-determined. He's a self-determined being. In other words, he has set his own limits and boundaries. And, and therefore, he's created us to be self-determined. Right? You can choose your own master. You can choose the way you want to go. That might be an old me and an old mine or, or praise the Lord, right? I mean, in Joshua's day, they were challenged to choose. And, and this is what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. And if, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods where your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites or in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Elijah also challenged the people to choose. He said in 1 Kings chapter 18, 21, he said, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you waver or falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. We have a choice. Choices, for a choice to be valid, it has to, has to there has to be something to choose. And we've been given a choice, right? We've been given a choice. I mean, uh, look at the, the necessity of the tree of, no, of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. There was a choice to make. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Which one am I going to choose? If there's nothing to choose, then the power of choice is invalid. It's canceled. Isn't that what the world wants to do? They want to cancel our choice for Christianity. They want to cancel our voice for the godly things. They want to take away our choice. And, and, and though they say we're the ones who are intolerant, if we look about, it's those out there who are intolerant of our Christianity and our faith. We have tolerated sin in the world for many, many years. But just because we tolerate doesn't mean I have to identify with. It doesn't mean I have to value and appreciate or agree with whatever somebody else is doing. Tolerate means that I have allowed that to be around even though I don't agree with it. Amen. <laughs> I love it, don't you? For choice to be meaningful, the alternate must be attractive. I mean, if the world didn't have an appeal, it wouldn't be a choice. I mean, the enemy has made things very appealing. He makes everything pretty. Everything looks flashy and pretty and wonderful. But if it wasn't pretty, if it wasn't attractive, it wouldn't have an appeal. And that's why there's such a distinction and understanding that we have to make a choice. For Eve, the very fruit of the tree was attractive to her if she was drawn to that tree. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It, it had a desire to make her wise. The world is attractive to our flesh and it offers great pleasures. As the word of God says, there's pleasure in sin for a season. Don't be, don't be misguided. There's pleasure in sin for a season. For a choice to be valid, the choice has to be honored. If my kid makes a choice and I'm constantly saying, nope, you can't do that one. Then is it really a choice? I mean, it has to be honored. 
Look, Israel, for over and over, the, the Lord wanted to be the king of Israel, but yet they chose a king. And after multiple times of them choosing, he said, okay, this is your choice. I will not invalidate your choice. I will not take away your choice. This is your choice. But understand, you have to live with the consequences of your choices. That's getting hard, isn't it? (laughs) God will not override your choice. He will seek to influence your choice, but he will not override your choice. He will seek to guide you and lead you, but ultimately he lets you make a choice. Amen. Amen. We appreciate and are thankful for the capacity of choice. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I live in a culture that allows me to choose my wife. Right? Because if I would have took the wife that my mom might have would have prepared for me, it might have been a different story. But he's given us your choice. Sometimes we don't like the fact that we've been given a choice. Sometimes we or we don't like the fact that God has a choice, right? I mean, we, we want to have our choice, but it, it upsets us to think that God has a choice and he can choose whether we live or die. He can choose whether we go into heaven or go to hell. But yet we want the cho- all the choices to be ours. Mm. How can it be fair that if God chooses before the foundation of the world? Well, the idea is that based on his foreknowledge, based on the fact that God knew beforehand who would love him who would follow him he has chosen us does it take away uh, take away his choice that we have a choice no because God knows if God was not omniscient then it would be a, a different story if it wasn't the fact that God knew knows everything he knows everything that might be fearful for some people but it might be liberating for some people God knows everything And based on his foreknowledge from the foundations of the world, he knew those who would love him. He knew those who would follow him. He knew those who would be wishy-washy, who would go back and forth and back and forth. He knows everything. And he chose. He chose. I'm going to close. I'm glad that we've been given gifts from the Lord. And there's many more in this Ephesians chapter chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the gifts of the Lord. But to think that that one factor can determine our whole life. Choice. What an amazing gift. I mean, it's hard because, you know what? I wish God would just... Type in the the right programming chip and put it in. That I'll just get it right. That every day I'd get up and I'd make the right decisions. That every day I'd get up and just, I know where the arrow's pointing. You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be amazing? But God doesn't want a superficial love. God's not looking for something superficial where where he has made you love him. He wants you to love him because of who he is. He wants you to have a choice and 
It's a greater love when you choose to love someone. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus had to choose to leave the throne room of heaven to come down the cross for us. But he chose. He chose to allow the abuses of the world. He chose to experience the death, the most cruelest death that we can think of. He chose to do that because he loved us. And yet he's given us a choice. Do we choose to love him? Do we choose to to walk in Christ Jesus and experience what he's done for us? Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, says, I say to you, we'll go 22. I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause. You know, I'm going to stop right here because... The words without cause, when, when the Qumran Valley scrolls were found and older manuscripts were found, the word without cause was not in there. That's, it says, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause, with cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, which is a which is a colloquialism, basically means something like blockhead, empty head, without sense. You ain't got no sense. It says, Raka shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift, think of gift, we're talking about gifts. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave it there go to your brother make it right and then come back we choose we choose Christ Christ chose us but we also should choose that if we're in the I saw a little thing that says, Christmas is forgiving, right? Forgiving. But in reality is, Christmas is forgiving. And so if we are bringing an altar, an offering to the Lord, a gift, so to speak, and we're choosing to have God in our heart, then we should also make sure that everything's right in our heart. We should choose also to walk in forgiveness, to walk in wholeness. And I pray that that today, as we've been given a gift to choose, that we will choose Christ, that we'll choose His love. And the same love that has been given to us, the forgiveness of the Father for our brokenness, that we will also forgive others in their brokenness. Because we all need Jesus. Amen. You know, today, if you'd say, Pastor, I haven't been living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I haven't 
chosen him to be number one in my life. I haven't denied him, but I haven't chosen him to be number one. But today, I recognize that the greatest gift that's been given to me, that the Apostle Paul declares, is that I've been chosen. And I want to make sure that I have been chosen. I want to make sure that I'm walking in Christ Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? It's a celebration. It's a blessing. Come on. So you're telling me this morning, and I'm thankful for every bit of that. You're telling me this morning that that your heart is where it needs to be with Jesus Christ. And I, I pray that it is. Because I'm just a truth bearer. What you do with truth is up to you. But I hope that you will choose Christ. Amen. Our usher is going to come and give us an opportunity to take part in communion today. We do communion once a month.
as we read in Mark 14, 22 through 24. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when they had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. This communion meal is a time for us to come together and come together as a family and just be thankful for the blessing that we have, for the opportunity to be in God's family. Because we weren't the chosen. Not Most of us are not God's chosen family. We're Gentiles. So it's only because God sent his son in that manger and made that sacrifice for us and we have faith in him. And now we can all be, sometimes during Christmas we get we go and get to be with our family. But when we come together here, we're with our family in, in Christ. I love all the things about Christmas. They all remember, help us to remember all the many different uh, uh, ministry parts of Jesus. But this this communion meal is a special con- time to come in and, and, and uh, remember, remember that sacrifice. So if everyone's been served, let's take our cup. Lord, we thank you for your body broken on the cross that you gave broken and sacrificed with your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. thank you for your blood that was spilled on the cross while your body was pierced and your blood was spilling out through your pain our pain can be healed and we can be made whole with you we thank you for that love that brings us in whole completeness with you in Jesus name we pray
excited to have our children's uh, dinner and uh, play. The crew that you saw playing uh, at the beginning of service will be also um, playing tonight. Um, I know that Sean has recruited some of you guys to help with moving chairs and stuff like that after the service so that we can get our tables out. And we appreciate all of you guys' help with that. Once again, if you're visiting with us, we're so thankful you're here. If you're from, from these Florida areas and want to come on up, just come on. You know, we, have, we actually have four seasons here. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> we don't have to worry about tornadoes. Uh, for the play this afternoon, the doors open at 545. If you get here a little early and would like to, to mingle in the foyer, that would be fine. But doors open in the sanctuary at 545. And we're looking forward for all of you being here. God bless you guys. Shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're happy to see him, them here today. Look forward to seeing you tonight and next week, Lord willing.